Thank you for listening to another message from New Sound Church and our lead pastor, Josh Monty. For more information about us, you can check out our website at newsound.church, or you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook. We want to thank you for joining us today. We would love to hear how these messages are impacting your life. Share your story with us at story at newsound.church. Enjoy the message. My name is Josh Monty, and I have the privilege of serving here as the lead pastor, and I'm honored that you are here today and and uh, for some of you you go man does that guy ever preach like what's he do- <laughs> like what's he doing with his life as you can tell by my tan um it's vacation it's what i've been doing it's been amazing it's been amazing but i've missed you like crazy we we actually went to the um actually went to the bahamas we've never done a vacation with our family we have four kids and um we've never done a, a week somewhere like ever that we've never gotten to do that and um and I didn't realize how tired I was. We got about two days in, and I, and I was like, man, it, like, it feels good. It feels good to rest a little bit. And so I hope this summer you'll also get some time to breathe and, and to rest. You know, God created you actually to, to, to operate in a rhythm of rest. You know, and the, the Bible says in Genesis that as the world was being created, it says there was evening and there was morning the first day. And then there was evening and there was morning the second day. And there was evening and there was morning the third day and on and on. And in our society, the day actually begins when the sun comes up. Uh, but the way that God created the world, he created the evening first, not the morning. Because there was evening and there was morning the first day. And he did that for a reason. He actually did that so that you would rest. And that out of that place of rest, you would serve him with everything you have the next day. And so God actually created you to operate in a, in a, in a posture of rest. And the Sabbath concept was so radical. The idea that you could work for six days but eat for seven was so radical in the world. And what people were doing in that season of rest was just saying, God, I trust in the provider more than the provision. And I'm gonna show the world that I really believe that by when I could be doing something, I'm just gonna rest and trust God. So it's been a little stressful for me if I could be 100% honest with you, because like uh, the first, you know, first like weekend where I wasn't speaking, I'm like, man, you know, I don't know. And and then, uh, uh, then the second weekend, I was like, well, you know, people came back, so it must've been okay. Then. Then, then last weekend, I was like, man, they're still coming. Even if I'm not there. Maybe, maybe they don't like me. So here's what I'm gonna tell you. Um, if you're brand new, I've met a couple of folks, they've been coming for a couple of weeks, and I'm like, hey, we love the church, we, we've never heard you. Um, um, I'm like, well, thank you, uh, that's awesome. Great, great, welcome to New Sim. So next week, I'm back. Next week, I'm back. So. And, um, and I'm excited because typically, uh, you know, I've got seven days to write a message. Y'all gave me a few weeks. And so I'm excited. So I'm going to tell you everything I know next week, everything. But for this week, we're super excited because we're doing something that's become a tradition here at New Sound where we invite members of the church to communicate on this platform for a weekend. Now, I want to say this, if you are brand new and you go, do you always meet in here? No, typically we actually meet in the auditorium. It's got a beautiful 800 seat auditorium. 
but there was a few weeks, to be honest with you, that it was just already booked. Um, and so we just said, hey man, let's, let's, just, let's, just, let's just throw up some curtains and do a little church. And it's funny, you know, we, as we were in worship, I thought, you know, God, it's never, it never has been in the history of this thing about the building. And um, I believe that God's presence can show up in an in a old sweaty high school gym. And uh, praise God. So, um, so we'll be in here for a couple more weeks and then, um, then by the middle of June, we'll be back in the auditorium and then hopefully with no more interruptions ever in, in the history of the church in Jesus' name, amen. But I'll be back next weekend communicating and I'm super excited. I'm ready to preach this message. I'm super excited about it. Um, but for this week, I've invited five people from the church. I'm actually gonna invite them to start heading this way now. And this was the context. I said, we're gonna... We're gonna, I'm gonna give you each a few minutes on a Sunday to communicate. And this is what I would hope, this is the answer to the question. Uh, this is, I want you, your, your message to be an answer to this, to this sentence. Um, I see a church that, dot, dot, dot. And so they went away and they've been working on it for months and I believe that they're beginning to like understand um, the value of, of what we do week in and week out because they've had about five weeks to come up with five minutes um, worth of something to say and, and the anxiety levels are probably getting pretty high about right now. Um, but they're gonna be phenomenal and, 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 and I, I just, I love the idea of um, people from our church, people from your seats um, and many of these people a, a year ago right now, I did not know them. And I love the idea of them stepping up here um, to share God's word. And I wanna introduce them for, uh, a lot of you, you, he's been here since day one. He may not be a stranger to you, but you may not even know his name. It's Trenton Rodriguez has been with us since the start. He's our worship leader. Um, he goes by a lot of names, but T-Bone is one of those, and Sweet Baby. So he answers to either one, so whichever one. So Sweet Baby's getting married in like a week, so that's good. So we're all excited for that and just praying he makes it to the finish line and she doesn't change her mind. We're believing God for that. And then um, Caleb Bennett. Um, so Caleb and his wife Savannah, they, they, we met them even before the church started. In fact, I invited them over for dinner one night and this young family and we're just trying to get to know people in the community. They come over and halfway through dinner, we realized that one of my kids has clogged an upstairs sink and just letting the water overflow the entire house and it's dripping down through the fan downstairs. <laughs> Caleb and I immediately sprang into action and we're gonna fix this problem. And then his poor wife, Savannah, um, in, we thought we had flipped the breaker off. Um, Savannah, I apologize, we had not flipped the breaker off. And she proceeded, this girl that I had just met, it proceeded to get sprayed by dirty fan water. Um, and I was like, hey, wanna go to New Sound? <laughs> You wanna do that? And um, they're a, an amazing family and I'm excited. The first time I ever met Caleb, I just said, man, I don't know if you know this or not. I don't know if anybody's told you this, but you're a pastor. So I just wanted to tell you that. Bob Zeal, or as my nine-year-old son Jake calls him, Bobby Z. Um, they're coming up on being a part of New Sound for about a year now. and. Um, he and his lovely wife, Donna, they just have rolled their sleeves up and they just serve wherever they can. And he is, he really kind of heads what they call the, the, the laughers. That stands for what? Life after 45. La life after 45. And, uh, and apparently there's, there is life after 45. 
There's like a whole thing. There's like this whole thing. So, um, so Bob's amazing, and I can't wait to hear what he has. And then Miss Lisa Sanford. Um, so I met Lisa and, and her husband, Ron, and their family. And, and we, when we started asking, hey, you know, you'll serve, you'll agree to whatever. She's like, yeah, that's fine. Um, but like, I'm not doing two services ever, like ever. I'm just going to come in. I'm going to leave. And, um, and then uh, how many of you know, you just don't get in the business of saying never uh, as it comes to your relationship with God. And so fast forward that tape about a year and she's going to be speaking today. So, um, so it's, it's amazing and we're excited and can't wait. And then Christy Van Well. Um, uh, she's like a sister to me. She actually introduced me to my wife and um, not on purpose. She wasn't trying to set us up and she worked uh, passionately to keep it from happening. But I prevailed and, and took her best friend away from her. And, um, and th these amazing folks are gonna be communicating today. And, and so here would, be my, here would be my heart. Respond and engage um, in the way that you would want the room to respond and engage if you had been given the daunting task of standing up here and sharing something from the Word of God. And so before they come to communicate, each of them will have six minutes on the clock. Six minutes. I know we said five on five, but none of them could shorten it to five minutes. And so they've got six minutes on the clock. They're going to share from God's Word, and we believe it's just going to be an incredibly powerful morning. But before we go any farther, I would love if I could pray for you and pray for them. Father, we love you and we thank you. Today is going to be an amazing day. We believe that. And God, I, I ask you to move in this room today. For every communicator that is preparing to speak, God, I pray that our ears would be in tune to what you have to say to us. God, nobody needs to hear from us. But there's not a person in the world that doesn't need to hear from you. And so what we're asking today is for you to kind of hide us and show yourself. And so, Father, today we give you everything that we've got because you gave us everything that you had. Will you speak to us and speak through us today? We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right. Thank you so much, Pastor. Um, it's just a tremendous honor to be asked to do this. Uh, like he said, though, don't have a ton of time, so I'm just gonna dive right in. So he said, like the whole thing is, I see a church. And I see a church that knows God and that responds to the call. You see, I think that for everyone in this room, we're either currently asking or there will come a time in our lives where we are asking this question. God, where are you calling me? God, what is the call you've placed on my life? Or maybe today you're here and you're just checking us out for the first time. You don't really know if you even believe in God, but even though it's phrased different, the question's the same. It's maybe what is my purpose or why am I even here on earth? Yeah. And the cool thing about the Bible is that yes, even though it is just full of really cool, interesting stories, I believe those stories are examples that we can learn from and apply to our own, own lives. So I wanna take us to a specific example in the book of Acts of two men who received a call from God and kind of see how they handled it and see if I can help us figure this whole calling thing out. So in the book of Acts, we're in the ninth chapter and what's happening here is that there's a man named Saul and he's on his way to Damascus to persecute Christians and Saul was known as the most notorious persecutor of Christians of the time period. And on the way to Damascus, he's met by Jesus in a vision and that's where we pick up. 
in verse four. It says, and he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? Jesus went on to say that I am Jesus and I, I see what you're doing to my people and, and I don't like it, but I'm gonna call you into a higher thing. So Saul comes out of that vision. He ends up being blinded and he goes, he continues into Damascus and he waits there for three days. And we pick up then in verse 10 and it says, and there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And he said, here I am, Lord. Now there's a lot that I could unpack about just these few verses, but in the short time that we have today, I just wanna focus on one thing and that's how the two men responded very differently to God calling them. You see, when God said, Saul, Saul, he responded with, who are you? But when God called out to Ananias, Ananias responded, here I am, Lord. You know, let me put it this way. Let's imagine you're out with your friends and you get a phone call, so you pull your phone out and you look down and the caller ID says, unknown caller. See, the person on the other line wants to offer you a million dollars, but because you don't know who's calling, odds are you're not gonna answer. And most of us, if we don't know who's calling, we're gonna decline that thing before it finishes ringing. See, God's calling always wants to come with blessing. He always wants to bless you through his calling, but if we don't know who's calling, we'll never even answer the phone. And church, listen, listen. If there's great speakers coming after me, but if you don't remember anything else when you leave today, I pray you remember this. God wants to know you. See, our God's not just some God that wants to pick you up like some tool, use you to accomplish a task, and once that task is done, discard you to the side, never be seen or heard from again. No, he wants a personal relationship where you know him and he knows you, and here's why. See, because when you know who it is that's calling, you gain the courage to step into that calling. Take my personal story, for example. See, when I moved down to help launch New Sound Church, I was just fresh out of college, no job, no money, and I came down, saw Pastor Josh was posting things online, and I was asking the same question, God, where are you calling me? And so I met Pastor Josh, and basically, long story short, he's like, hey, man, I think what we're gonna do is pretty cool. I think you should come check us out, (laughs) which sounded great, but for a college guy with no job, no money, to move to a place he'd never been before, with no family or friends to support him and have nowhere to live is a terrifying thing. But you see, I knew who was calling me. And in the same way, Ananias knew who was calling him and God called Ananias, hey, you're gonna go pray over Saul. He's blind, but you're gonna pray and release the blindness and he's gonna go and change the world for me. And Ananias knew exactly who Saul was. He actually fought back and said, no, he's the the most notorious persecutor of Christians. He'll kill me. But he knew who was calling. And Ananias went. And he met with Paul, Saul, and he prayed over him, and Saul regained his vision. And Saul went on to become Paul, and Paul went on to write over a third of the New Testament. And I hear some of you saying, well, that's awesome. Okay, Trenton, if, if God moves in my life that way, I'll do it, I'll respond. But I'm just waiting on a move from God. But can I say to you today, and I've, I've heard it said this way before, you're not waiting on a move from God. You are the move from God. You see, 2,000 years ago, God made the final move by sending his son Jesus to die for our sins, but not just so that we can be forgiven. You see, that death also allowed us to step into the freedom of our purpose and our potential. You are God's plan A, plan B, plan C. He's waiting on you to move and take the next step. I think what we get caught up in is we feel like we have to know the end goal before we step. But can I say, you don't have to know the last step, you just need to be willing to take the next one. And so you might not know what that is, but I think here at New Sound, we make it pretty, pretty, pretty easy, pretty simple. Like, have you been to explore? Are you, are you in a small group? Are you serving? Like these are next steps that we try, to, we try to make as clear as day because we know sometimes it's tricky. 
God, what are you asking me to do? You know, I moved down here with no job, no money, nowhere to live. You guys, I literally packed up my little box car with boxed foods. I was fully prepared, ask Pastor Josh, I was fully prepared to sleep in the office. And now in less than two weeks, I'll marry the love of my life. Come on, somebody. I have the greatest mentor and Pastor Josh I could have ever asked or prayed for. And I'm loving every moment of being a part of this church. God wants to bless you in that same way. You just have to know who's calling and answer. Thank you. Thank you, Trenton. Thank you, Pastor Josh. Uh, thank you just for believing me. I'll take uh, dirty fan water any day of the week to be here. So uh, I know my wife would say the same thing. Hey, look, yeah, I think it's great how the Holy Spirit just works here. This is so cool. Uh, there's a, I really want to just touch on this one word, uh, a word that has meant so much to me, uh, a word that has actually transformed and changed uh, my life and my family's life. And I think, and, and that word is freedom. Um, you know, I never really understood what the word freedom meant until I walked through a small group here with, with uh, Dr. Dave. And, uh, and I think what it is is because I think why I misunderstood freedom, and maybe you have the same thing, is that you know, we sing songs about freedom. Uh, we even, we'll even talk about, hey, there's freedom. And, and we, we have this idea, and we're missing the mark of what that word actually means and how we can live in the fullness of freedom and walk with authority uh, towards your purpose. So I see a church where people are living in freedom and taking steps towards their God-given purpose. I believe to get to your purpose, you need to understand what freedom is. So what is freedom? I think you can see freedom two ways. I think one way you can, freedom can be interpreted is personal independence. It's the ability to make our own decisions, to choose our own path in life. And I'd put it this way, it's doing whatever I want when I want. I think the second way the second way you can view freedom, and, and it's the freedom that, that I believe uh, that God wants you to live in every single day is spiritual freedom. This is the freedom that Christ died and was resurrected for. See, in John 8, 34 through 36, Jesus said, very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. See, this, this freedom is not only just a freedom from the penalty of sin, but this freedom that he died and was resurrected for us also from the power of sin. See, Jesus was not setting us free to do what we wanted. He died so we'd be free to belong to the family, so that we could do what he called us to do. He freed us so that we could walk in relationship with God and be the people he created us for. This is spiritual freedom. It's the ability to obey God and to do his will. See, once you belong to the family, once you give your life to Christ, there's nothing that can remove you from the family. There's no, nothing can remove you from the love of God, as Romans 8, 38 through 39 would say. But the enemy's goal at this point in your life, when you, get in that, when you step in your freedom from the penalty of sin, it's to make you ineffective. Yeah. He wants to make you to point you to living in your past instead of living in the present fullness that God has for you. So what can you do? What are some easy steps? I think number one, you look at scripture, know that you can stand firm. Galatians 5.1 says this, it is for freedom that Christ set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. 
See, sin denies freedom, and what sins does is it binds us and it blinds us from seeing who God really is, and the power, and, and that power can control us. It's like a broken record that just plays over and over and over again in your mind. But the Bible says, stand firm. Why? Because his resurrection, Jesus' resurrection, allows us to walk in power. It allows us to walk in authority. It allows us to walk uh, in victory because he walked out of that grave saying, I overcome this. You can too. Yeah. Revelation 12, 11 says this. They triumphed over him, and that word him there is the enemy. That's our adversary. That is Satan. And Satan wants to do everything in his power to make you ineffective. But this, Romans, Revelation 12, 11 says this. It says, they triumphed over him by the blood of the lamb. See, Jesus already defeated Satan. On Friday, Satan was jumping around. Woohoo! it's over. But on Sunday, Jesus walked out in victory, and you can too. I think the second thing that we need to do in order to walk in the fullness of freedom is surrender fully. See, maybe part of the problem why you cannot walk in the fullness of freedom is you aren't submitting fully to God. Chris Hodges said this. He says, your submission level determines your authority level. James 4, 7, submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. It's first submit, then resist. You can't do it the other way around. You can't reverse this. He says, submit yourselves then to God and resist the devil and he will flee from you. When you give it and you say, God, I can't do this on my own. I can't control the outcome. Only you can. And when you surrender and when you give that to him, no matter what the enemy throws at you, no matter what attack he gives you, he, you can overcome that because the lamb already paid for it. Yeah. God has a plan and a purpose to do something amazing through you if you'll let him. It can only come, though, from giving up control. It can only come from saying, God, I don't know the outcome, but I trust that you do. Yeah. He created each and every single one of you for a purpose. Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. He prepared you. He's preparing you to do something amazing. He wants to use you, but it comes from submission. It comes from saying, God, I give you my everything. Thank you, church. Good morning. I just want to take a second and thank Pastor Josh. I just want to thank you for believing in me when I didn't believe in myself. And this is such an honor for me. Okay, I see a church that truly loves the broken. When I got back in a church, I was 24, and I was pregnant, and I was so broken. I was so lost, and I was so full of shame. And me and my boyfriend were living this terrible life, which is now my husband. We were actually selling drugs and doing drugs before and after I was pregnant and just barely hanging on. But I kept coming back to the church because I knew the presence of the Lord was here. I knew something here was different. And I can't hope that somebody here today is feeling the same way. So I'm going to get really real with you right now. And I'm going to tell you some of the ways that I walked into church. And it wasn't always pretty. I walked into church after being abused by my father. I walked into church after doing drugs in the parking lot. I walked into church still drunk, hungover. I walked into church living in sexual sin and bondage. I walked in church broken from grief, mad at God, disappointed at God, confused. I walked in with shame about my parenting and what kind of wife I was. I walked in with fears of who I was and who I became 
And I've walked in wondering who God was and if you could actually change somebody like me. So I got to thinking, because I was so dead and my hope was all gone, about Ezekiel 37. And God gives Ezekiel this vision. And he takes him to this valley and there's dry bones scattered all around the floor. And he asks him this question. He says, can these bones become living people again? And Ezekiel says, you only know the answer to that. So I'm gonna pick up in verse four. Then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to these bones and say, dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I'm going to put breath into you and make you live again. I will put flesh and muscles on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath into you and you will come to life. Then you will know I am the Lord. So I spoke this message just as he told me. Suddenly as I spoke, there was a rattling noise across the valley. The bones of each body came together and attached themselves as complete skeletons. Then as I watched, muscles and flesh formed over the bones. Then skin formed to cover their bodies, but they still had no breath. Then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to the wind, son of man. Speak a prophetic message and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, O breath from the four winds. Breathe into these dead bodies so they may live again. So I spoke this message just as he commanded, and breath came into their bodies. They all came to life and stood upon their feet, a great army. So I want you to close your eyes. And I want you to envision this place with dry bones all over. And dry bones are here because their hearts are dead and their hope is gone. These bones are addictions and people losing loved ones to addictions. And these bones are depression or anxiety that feels hopeless and helpless. Or maybe these bones are people that feel like God doesn't love them anymore. Or maybe they're going through a divorce or wanting one. But also there are bones for people who do come to church often. And maybe it's just a dead limb or a fracture. But that part of their, part of their body is suffering from something maybe complacency or emptiness or not feeling like they know where their place is in this church. Or maybe they feel overwhelmed with life and you just didn't think it would look like this by now. So I want you to envision these dry, dead, brittle bones. And as the church starts to step out and serve, these bones come into the parking lot and the parking team smiles at them and guides them to their spots. And the bones start to attach one by one to each other. And then as the greeters welcome them and the cafe gives them coffee, the tendons start to attach to their bones. And then as the ushers seat them, the muscles start to grow on them one by one. And then as the worship team sings and they hear their beautiful voices, their skin starts to cover their bodies. And then when the prophetic word is spoken over them, the Lord breathes life into them. The exact words they needed to hear landed right in their souls. They have hope and their lives are restored. I want you to open your eyes. So how do we bring dry bones back to life, church? First thing, you find a place where you can serve your little heart out. If you wait till you have it all together to serve, you are never going to serve. Yeah. Just take that next step of obedience, whatever that looks like. Our church is a hospital for the sick. And although God is the ultimate healer, he has called us to be the hospital staff. Yeah. See, there's this amazing thing that happens when you step out and you help someone and you pour into somebody, you are also in return blessed and replenished. Yeah. Second thing, get yourself out of the way. See, I struggled with this. I would serve in certain areas, but like Pastor Josh said, some I would not. You know, I don't want to get up too early or stay out too late or be around those people. And, and maybe something else. Maybe it was my own insecurities. And maybe I don't want you to see something in me that I don't like about myself. Or maybe I was inconvenienced. But that's so selfish because after everything I just told you, after everything God's brought me through, he redeemed me, he restored me, he restored my family. And I can't put myself aside? Yeah. 
Because when we put ourselves aside, there's this beautiful thing that happens when we start serving the kingdom and being used. He works in us and through us like never before. And I am not promising you no problems and no hurts because I'd be lying to you. But there's something undeniable when you step out and you serve in God's kingdom. So serve your little hearts out. Get yourself out of the way and let God do his thing with broken people. Thank you. It's been an honor. Good morning, New Sound. My name is Bob, and I'm a recovering non-finisher. That's when you all can say, hi, Bob. If you're like me, you start a lot of things. Bible reading plans, budgets, and for me, it's a to-do list. And my lovely wife is sitting over in this section over here, so she may want to give a big amen, but I, I have 10 things on my to-do list and I checked off two, and after a month, they both got done yesterday, and they were the easiest things that you could accomplish. But I didn't want to stand here today and say, I don't do anything at home. At least I did those two things. <laughs> so I would challenge us this morning, how do we finish? Do we give the things that we start off with a priority? How intentional are we uh, to take what we started and cross the goal line? Hebrews 12.2 tells us that Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith. So he must be just as interested in how we finish as how we start. I look out today and I see a church that finishes strong. So let's take a look at three different ways that we can do that together. First, let's take a look at how we finish out our season. We just completed a season here at New Sound, our spring semester of small groups. What a great success and what an impact they made on all our lives. As we look past this last spring, we should ask ourselves how we finished. Hey, for me, I had to be intentional. Remember, non-finisher had to be intentional about finishing those 12 weeks. So how did I finish? I missed one. In the past, if I was to say that I would be there for most of the weeks, I'll be honest with you, I probably would have made about half or less. Plan ahead wisely to finish strong. Take out your three-month calendar. Look at your work schedule. Look at your family's vacation. If you get invited to an event during the day of your weekly group, you may have to say no. And you know what? You may have to feel good about that. Our men's freedom group ended with a conference. Weeks before the conference, we kept encouraging one another with calls and texts about how we were excited about attending and planning on being there. We challenge each other to have a plan and then resolve not to let anything else get in the way. And it worked. We sat together at the conference and experienced freedom. We finished our season strong. Once we finish a season, then it's time to take a look at the next challenge and that's finish out our year. There's nothing magical about a year. It's simply a good amount of time to build relationships and then to learn how to serve together. My wife Donna and I are approaching one year at New Sound, and during this time, we were blessed to form relationships, especially with, with people our own age. Last fall, we served together and formed these bonds. Once we had the great relationships going, it just seemed like a natural transition to have a small group this spring. But this all takes time, which makes a year so valuable. We learned something very important during this time with these remarkable people, we can't do life alone. We have to lean on each other to finish strong. Here's what 
one person in our group shared, I have tears of joy. I have finally found my people in Florida. I cannot express my gratitude for all the prayers and words of encouragement for myself and my family. This group has poured love over each of us as we battle life's issues. Wow. A year gives us time, a year gives us time to go beyond the superficial, superficial and get deeply involved with each other's lives. It's so worth it. Let's finish our year strong together. So now things get a bit personal for me, and that's how out we finish out our life. So many of you I see out there today have your whole life ahead of you. You're still in college, you're getting married, you're starting a family. At 63, I'm what you call an OG, an old guy. <laughs> my granddaughter's turning 18. My wife and I have been married almost 42 years. I'm in the fourth quarter and the clock is running. I'm taking a very serious look at what my remaining years will look like. And you know, in South Florida, it's real easy to default to fishing and going on cruises. Hey, don't get me wrong, I love both, but I'm not quite sure how much of a legacy I'm gonna leave at the buffet line. <laughs> Sometimes my flesh wants to cry out, hey, I worked hard all my life, why can't I just kick back and watch the sunset? And then it hits me, focus on joy to finish strong. So we look back at Hebrews 12, 2, and we find what to focus on, the joy set before us. Whether you're just beginning your journey of faith or you've been in this a while like me, keep your eyes on Jesus and the joy before you. To the next generation, I offer this. Know that it gets better and better and that you have a bright future ahead. You have the rest of us to help you with your plans. You have all of us to lean on. Don't fear the future because many of us are already living it. We're already there. To my generation, I say this, be strong and courageous. Like Joshua, be vigorous now as you were when you were young. Yeah. And I'll be honest, when the aches and pains come, fix your eyes on Jesus, and the joy will carry you through. Yeah. Never underestimate the power of a senior citizen who is kind and encouraging to the next generation. Yeah. Let's finish our lives strong through joy. I see a church that finishes strong. Yeah. Thank you. I'm just a little nervous, but I see a church that does whatever it takes to reach one. I was once the one, some of you were once the one, and some of you sitting in here today are the one. The one that is lost, the one that doesn't know Jesus, the one that seems to have no purpose and is just drifting along in this life. See, my parents divorced when I was 15, and I was left alone to just figure it all out by myself. I hopped around from house to house with a few friends. Um, I was legally emancipated by the courts and I was just figuring it all out one day at a time. At this time, I don't think I even really understood what I was going through or really what I was even feeling at the time. I don't even think I had time to feel. I just needed to live, to go to work and go to school. I coped for years in all the ways that you can cope. I was abused. I self-medicated. I wanted to end it so many times. The only way I felt that I could deal with it was just turn it off. To just be numb and not feel anything. I had a few run-ins with Jesus in the church, so 
I wouldn't say that I was oblivious to he was, to who he was. I just simply didn't care. I had turned off every feeling I had and was just drifting along in life. I moved to South Florida in 2003, and there I met Kim Monty. We met at a young adults group. I don't know how we ended up there. Neither one of us are really in a relationship with Jesus, but apparently God needed us to meet, and so we did. Then a few years later, I met my husband, Francois, who's sitting there in the back. Turns out, guys, he was an atheist. <laughs> I didn't even know. I was so far away from God that it wasn't even something I asked before we got married. I didn't think it was something I should ask. I didn't even think it was something I should care about. So life began for the both of us. So many stories in between, but none more important than November 2012. In November 2012, I stepped foot in Pastor Josh and Kim's first church plant in Kentucky. I got saved that day, and I'll never forget the message. It was all about the one. How this idea of saving the world seems so overwhelming. God isn't asking you to save the world. Start with one. one started with me. I had to first know God. If you're here today and you're looking for your next step, I want you to know today that if you don't already know God, that this is what he wants for you today. Above healing your marriage, fixing your finances, teaching you how to raise your kids. What God wants today is for you to know him. So I became the one for a season. I took steps and slowly began to serve in the local church just to figure out what all this was really about. I searched and I found friends that were trying to live life the same way. And we began to build relationships built on something bigger than ourselves. Then the next one became my husband. I prayed and continued serving at church for one, for him so that he would one day find himself in a relationship with Jesus and all glory to God. He moved every piece into place. And if you know my husband now, you know that he's a fully devoted follower of Jesus and a huge supporter of the local church. Now together, our one has become our children. And Ryan, who's about to turn 10, is sitting in here today. We pray, we serve, and we attend small groups so that we make an impact in our next generation, so that we leave a Vanwell legacy of following Jesus and serving the local church with everything we got. I know everyone in here has a story. Everyone has a journey that they are on. But I'm telling you my story from then to now as once the one the one that needed saving, the one that needed Jesus. And now that I have stepped into a relationship with him, I have found freedom, I have discovered my purpose, and I'm serving in the local church with all of my best friends. And I have shifted the focus from me to the next one. My story is messy just like yours is messy. In John 16, 33, and this isn't one you usually see on a refrigerator, a magnet, or a bumper sticker. But Jesus said, you will have troubles in this life. Life is going to be hard. It is going to be messy. But take heart, I have overcome the world. He doesn't promise you a problem-free life, but he does promise you a life that matters, a life that makes a difference, and a life that overcomes because he has already overcome. It's not gonna happen overnight. Mine's a 15-year journey, and he's not even finished with me yet, and I'm okay with that. 
I am not where I used to be, but thank God I, wait, I am not where I want to be. <laughs> but thank God I am not where I used to be. Today you heard from some great communicators and the heart of the message was this, eternal life change happens when we know God, as Trenton talked about. When we find freedom, Caleb shared a powerful message on God's heart for you to be free. When we discover purpose, as Lisa so beautifully shared of how your purpose is in your serving. And when we make a difference, Bob perfectly shared the heart of a group of free people working together to change the world. So I'm not telling you that this journey will change everything because I heard about it in a message or I read about it in a book. I am telling you that this journey will change everything because God has done it for me and he wants to do it for you. So as once the one, start with one. Maybe that one today is you, but start with one and know it will multiply. Know that by focusing on one, it will make an impact on generations to come but you have to be willing to take a step and be willing to let him use you to make a difference in someone else's life. He can't use you if you are not first willing to be the one and he cannot use you if you are not willing to step in the gap for the next one. So find a small group. Summer groups are gearing up. There's lots of them. Try one, try them all, but join a small group and find your people. Get on a team. Serve for something bigger than yourself. Serve your guts out for someone else. Just take a step, one at a time. Thank you. I'm so proud of you guys. Exodus 6. This wasn't planned, so let me do this real quick. Exodus 6, it won't come up. Exodus 6, chapter 5, it says, this is God speaking. He says, therefore, say to the Israelites, I'm the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians, free you from being slaves to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. And I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God, and then you will know that I am the Lord who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. In Exodus 6, he says, therefore, say to the Israelites, I'm the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. The first thing he wants to do, he said, I want to save you. And then he says, and then I will free you from being slaves to them. You say, well, you already said that. No, it's God understood something that we often miss. It's not enough to know God. It wasn't enough to get the people out of Egypt. He said, I got to begin the process of getting the Egypt out of them. He said, I want to know God. I want to find freedom. And then he said, I will redeem you. To redeem means to return to an original intent. You were made on purpose and for a purpose. God has plans for your life and his plans for you are good. He said, I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. You were made for a reason. And then he says this, I can save a person. I can deliver a person. I can redeem a person. But then he says, he changes, the, he changes the tone, and he says, then I'll take you as my people. And he said, and you're going to make a difference. Do you know that when I gave these guys the topic, I just said, I see a church. 
And God spoke to each one of them and gave them a message that said he wants to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. The vision of this church, the heart of this house. And he wants it for you. For some of you today, if you're honest, when you came in here, you haven't taken the first step yet. Yeah, it's true that you know about God, but to know him. I remember when I was a kid, I loved Alabama football and I would go to as many games as I could ever get to go to. And my hero was a guy named Jay Barker. He was the Tim Tebow before Tim Tebow was born, I think. He just loved Jesus and could play ball. Years later, I was a grown man and I was at a game and I rounded a corner and I literally ran straight in to this guy. I knew everything about the guy. I knew every stat from college. I knew his hometown. I knew where he grew up. I'd read his book. I knew all about him. I knew his mama's name and his daddy's name. I knew a lot about him. But as this weird 20-year-old is now weirdly talking to this grown man, I realized in that moment, I don't know him. And I think a lot of us have treated God in that way. You know the stats, but you've never taken the step to step across the line and say, God, whatever you can, whatever you can do through a person, would you do it through me? But Jesus, I accept what you've done on the cross, that freedom can come not because of who I am, but because of what you've already done. Jesus, I believe that you've already paid for all of my sins. And today, in the best way I know how, I'm gonna give my life to you. The Bible says, says you're saved by grace through faith, not by works, so that no man can boast. That we're saved by what Jesus has done on the cross. And it's this simple. We'll try to, religion will always complicate what it means to come to God. But Christianity is very simple. Acknowledge the sin that's in your life. I don't think there's a greater example of sin than for us as the made thing to think we have a better way to do our life than the one that made us. I acknowledge the sin that's in my life. I believe, Jesus, that you died for me so that I could live for you. And today, in the best way I know how, I commit my life to you. Change me from the inside out. Right there in your seats. I'm gonna pray for you. And we're not gonna bring you down front. We're not gonna whisk you off to some double top secret prayer room, but I know that God's speaking to you today. He was speaking to me. And today I wanna to invite you to put down the stat book and actually step across the line and say, God, I want to know you because I know you want to know me. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Father, we thank you for every person that's in this place. And so church right there with heads bowed and eyes closed, if right now, you acknowledge today that you say, I, God, I haven't given my life over to you, or I've kind of been going through some motions, but now I need to commit fully into a relationship with you. Today, Jesus, I acknowledge the sin that's in my life. Come on, right there, just pray that in your own way. It's between you and God. Jesus, I believe that you died for me, and that you didn't just die, you got back up to conquer hell and the grave for all time. 
And today, I don't just ask you to be my Savior. I commit my life to you. Be my Lord. Father, we submit all of this to you now as openly and as as honestly as we can. Holy Spirit, we know you're speaking to every heart. Church, right there today, no looking around, heads bowed, eyes closed. If that's you today, and you just say, Pastor, today I give my life to Jesus. Would you just slip your hand up? Nobody's looking around. Come on, slip your hand up right now all over the room and let me pray for you. And all you're saying, slipping your hand up doesn't change eternity. It just says, Pastor, pray. Yes, come on, I see you. I see you. Come on, all over the room. I see you. Be bold. Yes, Jesus. Yes, 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 yes. Come on, all over the room. Hands going up. Come on. We just say, today, Jesus, I give you my life. And so right there, if that's you, if you, if you slipped your hand up, you can slip those hands back down. Just say this, Jesus, I commit my life to you. Be my Lord and Savior. Wash me white as snow, and I'll never be the same in Jesus' name. And church, right now we join with heaven. The Bible says that there's a rejoicing that happens in heaven when just one person turns from a life of sin into a relationship with God and a whole bunch of people in this room just made. So can we celebrate what God's done today? communicated. I am so proud of you. I am so proud of you. You have set the bar high. I better, I'm going to rewrite some stuff for next week. I'm so proud. That was perfect. 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 Come on. Thank you for listening. We would love to have you join us at New Sound for one of our weekend experiences. Check out our website for times and directions at newsound.church. We would love to hear how these messages are impacting your life. Please share your story with us at story at newsound.church.